Good morning. Happy New Year again. Uh, we're looking a little bit in the book of First uh, Corinthians. If you want to turn in your Bibles there, we're looking at the first two chapters again. Today we're going to talk about something I, I know a lot about. I'm kind of an expert at this. It's about getting lost. <clears throat> it's about going the wrong way for a long time. And I mean, I hate, 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 hate getting lost. And it's not just like the humiliating part of it, like I'm ever going to ask Melinda for directions. <clears throat> but I hate the part that you, you just waste all this time and progress, right, of where you could be versus where you are. And yeah, the farther you drive the wrong way, the farther, well, out of the way you go. And so I have found as an expert that if you speed up, it actually is taking you the wrong direction faster. But here's what's happening inside the, the head of a person that, that it is, that's lost is, is, well, okay, I, I don't like people that don't understand math. And so sometimes there's someone in your car that doesn't understand math and they'll say something that's consoling, but, but they don't understand math. And so it's not really a help. They'll say, oh, it was on, we're, we're only 10 minutes out of the way. Well, see, that's... No, no, no. We went the wrong direction for 10 w minutes, and then it takes us another 10 minutes to get back, assuming we're, speeding, we're not speeding, okay? So now we're 20 minutes, 20 minutes the wrong direction just to get back to, like, pretty much point zero where we made the bad decision and chose to go the wrong way. That's, that's why I really hate getting lost. I hate going the wrong way. The reason I tell you about getting lost the reason that's the subject of our conversation today is when you look at the book of First and Second Corinthians, and especially the passage we're going to look at today, you need to understand that the Corinthian church was going the wrong way. They were headed in a completely opposite direction than the, the way they were meant to go. And, and the, the, one of the problems with this book, Corinthians, is it's a lot, that town is a lot like Austin. It was... It was a new town. It was the flashy place to live. The value of real estate was going over, you know, just up through the roof. Very ambitious people there, you know, intelligent people. And, and, and the, the, the vibe there was self-promotion. Get yourself out there. Get your name out there. Be known, be seen. The, the, the people in that town, they never met a promotion that they didn't love, right? Because, because the way to success is always up. It's always up and to the right. That's how you define success. And, and the point of the letter to them, and probably to us, right, is that we're going the wrong way. I mean, the, the, the church in Corinth, this Roman little city, just loved status. They loved, you know, honor. They, they, they loved associating with people with status and honor. It, it, it was so a part of their culture that they actually had a phrase to uh, just encapsulate the whole value system. It was, it was called the road to honor. And everybody knew, they, or sometimes they'd call it the path to honor, right? The way of getting rewarded, the way of putting yourself out there. It was a phrase. People knew that. Oh, yeah, he's, he's on the fast track to the road of honor, they would say. And the idea was like branding yourself, getting, getting known, putting yourself out there. And, and so just to, you need to know this going into reading these books, especially uh, the passage we're going to look at today. 
this is what this is how a primary way of keeping score on the road to honor, okay? Power and wisdom. Those attributes, that's how the, those are the certainly primary attributes acquiring power, acquiring wisdom. Power, the ability to be in charge of your life, to be in control of all things around you. And if you could control other people, good for you. You're on that road and you're going up and to the right. And then the idea of wisdom there, we'll spend more time on this next week because it's, it's certainly you know, part of their culture to be sophisticated, to be sophisticated, particularly and especially in the idea of public speaking. So if you were, I guess, the rock star of the day would be the captain of the debate team, okay? If you were the king of rhetoric, you got money for nothing. You were, you were there. You arrived. And so just to, just to make sure to understand the culture there, <clears throat> you were born in the right family, went to the right schools, lived in the right zip code, and you could talk circles around people, you were there. You had at least two things happen to you if you could get if you could score those. One, you had a following. You had people say, "Oh, I'm with that guy. I'm friends with him. I hope I hope I hope he uses my name in an illustration, you know, in his next big deal up front." So you had followers, you had a following. And the other thing is you probably just in the light of the archaeology of this town, you probably had some statue of someone but your name was on it. Because, boy, people loved that. They loved that status. And so the idea of, of climbing the ladder of success, ascending, ascending to this, this road of honor is pervasive in the culture of Corinth. It is so because it is in the soul of all hearts. It is our bent. This is not the way we were designed, but this was the way we're made. And this was causing a, a dangerous division in the church of Corinth. They, they brought that attitude into the Corinthian church. And, and Paul knows this first, because this is the way so many churches are. This is the way people are, right? Paul knows this. They were first Corinthians, and then they were followers of Jesus. You see? That what was rattling around in their head, their worldview, keeping score, who's, right, who's winning, was the Corinthian value system, and they just happened to be followers of Jesus Christ. So if that's the order of your value system, yeah, there's going to be a lot of trouble. And, and you, you can tell this is a problem there because, because Paul, when he writes this letter, he understands the way they're thinking about him. And so there's a, there's, there's a, a group of people there that are like, oh, we're friends of Paul, you know, FOP. We're friends of Paul. We're, Paul likes us. We're followers of Paul. We like his teaching. We're, we're, we're one with him. And then there were, there were enemies of Paul. There were people that were saying, you know, why, you, why do you even listen to him? I mean, he's, he's not very wise. You know, he's, he's not exactly the smartest guy around. He doesn't have a lot of power. He, you know, you know, he's... He's just, a, he works with his hands, right? You know that, right? He's a tent maker. He, he's not even sponsored. He doesn't have a sponsor. And, and, and he's a terrible public speaker. So, so, so if that's the people are against Paul, so the people that are for Paul were kind of telling Paul, Paul, 
you could help us out a lot if you could just kind of put yourself out there a little bit. If you could just try a little harder. Maybe, for example, in public speaking, maybe you could work like on your timing or your delivery. Tell a couple jokes here and there. That'd be good. If you'd, if you'd quit making tents, that'd be good too. We could sponsor you. You could live at one of our houses and we could sponsor you. This is, these are real things happening. And when you read through 1 Corinthians especially, you're going to see Paul just bragging about making tents and stuff because he, because he knows that culture. He's poking them where it hurts. So look, I just, for the record, Paul could have played their stupid games and won stupid prizes. Paul had gone in the wrong direction for, well, decades. He could have just, he could have, like, just come to this meeting, I guess, or whatever. He could have written this letter and said, fine, fine. You want me to show the road to honor? I know that road. Make way for me. I'm coming through the passing lane, okay? Pharisee of Pharisee. I'm a Roman citizen. I was personally discipled by some of the greatest minds in the Middle East. Oh, yeah, that debate I had at Mars Hill, legendary. He doesn't. Not to this church, because this church has a big problem. They're Corinthian first. They're followers of Christ second. And Paul has to dismantle this value system. He's got he's to get inside and explode it from the inside out and show them in his life and in the life of Christ, there's no room for this hierarchy in following Jesus Christ. So what he does is he says, you guys are wrong. You've got it absolutely going the wrong way. And you're kind of racing to see how far off you can get. Watch. Let me show you this. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the introduction of Paul the Apostle. And watch how he introduces Jesus Christ. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5. He says, look, <clears throat> when I came to you, uh, brothers and sisters, uh, I didn't come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or with wisdom. For I, des uh, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in meekness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my message, well, they were not in plausible words of wisdom, but this was to demonstrate, this was to be a demonstration of the spirit of power so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So that, look at all the descriptive terms about Paul in this passage. Look what he's saying. He's saying, look, it's not about me. I don't want to be on your dumb road to honor. I don't want followers. I don't want to, I don't want to, it's not about me. It's about Jesus. And look what it says on there. He says, not just Jesus, but Jesus him crucified. In this book, Paul is going to bring up Jesus being crucified more than any other book that he's, that he's written. He's, going to, he's captivated by the cross. This is the center of Paul's life, the cross. This is how he's keeping score. This is his not road to honor that's constantly going up and to the right. This is a road to glory that's descending into greatness. That's what Paul's exemplifying here. This is what Paul's all about. This, this Corinthian church, this Corinthian value system, right, where it's this Autobahn to see who can get to the top fastest. He's saying, no, 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 I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you the way real life works in my life and the life of Jesus Christ. The, the, the cross 
It's not like a ticket to heaven, he's saying. It, it, is, it is everything that Jesus taught. It is everything that Jesus lived. It is all that is expressed in the kingdom of God in the world right now. The cross, it, it, is, it is the embodiment of, of guilt and evil and death and shame. That's what's in the cross. And in that, it's the embodiment. Jesus embodies that same cross by bringing his attributes of goodness and love and life and honor. It is the cross that was thought to be the means of killing God. And it is the cross that through the death of Christ, death was killed. And so Paul is going to just keep pushing out. He's going to keep mentioning that Jesus, the crucified Jesus, the entire expression of the kingdom of God is contained in this like one small, cruel icon. It's become an icon. It has become a famous expression of the life of Christ, the cross. And so there is a road to glory. It's the road of the cross. And Paul's going to show that in himself, and he's going to show that in his description of who Jesus is. I want you to see that. I want you to see how he's constantly throwing it in the face of a value system that says more is better, getting is better, power is better. Paul's going to say, no, that's not it at all. You're going the wrong way. You're going the completely wrong direction. So I want you to look, I want you to listen how Paul's projecting himself and Jesus himself for this value. Verse two, uh, chapter two, verse one, I'm going to look at it again. Excuse me. He said, and I, when I came to you, brothers, I didn't come with lofty speech or wisdom for I decided to know nothing among you except that Jesus Christ and him crucified. And, and I was with you in weakness and fear and trembling. Pop quiz. What's the road of honor? What does it entail? What are the attributes? Power, wisdom. And look what he's promoting. I didn't come to you with lofty speech. I didn't come to you with lofty wisdom. No. Uh-uh. And power Are you kidding? Look what he says. I came to you in weakness, in fear, and in trembling. Paul's saying, Paul is bragging about the very attributes that he is weak in that drives the Corinthians crazy. And he's saying, look, I'm not going to get on your little road to nowhere. The things that you look down on people for, I'm going to tell you I'm worse than that. You think I'm this bad? No, no. You make fun of my, t- my teaching? Oh, it's terrible. I know. Not a very good speaker. Fine. Now, look how he presents Jesus. This is more subtle because I think we've been reading our Bibles too long, if, if that's possible. But look what he says in verse 2. He says, but, but I decided, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Jesus Christ and him crucified. Let's spend the rest of our time analyzing that. Because Paul will not separate Jesus from this crucifixion. Because this crucifixion, that's where power is. That's where wisdom lies. But not to the road to honor up and right type people. And Paul, and Paul is going to see his audience. 
He, his audience understands, you put crucifixion on your resume, it does not boost your career. It does not see that you're not going to become famous or have followers with that on there. The Greeks, the Romans, they were quite experienced in their methods of execution. They had gotten good at it. And they had several methods for different purposes. You want, you know, quick, fast, clean, a sharp blade to the neck, and they're done. You want something quiet, peaceful, out of the way, not cause a commotion, right? There's hemlock, right? Socrates. But crucifixion, crucifixion, Christ and him crucified, that from a, I guess, a governing standpoint, it was, it was work. It was inconvenient. It took a lot of time and it took a lot of money. And so Rome used it sparingly because of the expense. Why would they use it? It maximized the humiliation of the person being crucified. It, it maximized the pain that the person would have to endure. Sometimes it would take days for a person that was being crucified to die. It, just, it, it was safe for the people that Rome especially hated. It would drag out the, the, without mercy, right, the suffering. But one of the main reasons they did it was for the humiliation. It, it wasn't necessary for the crucifixion itself, but it started with stripping the person naked. They, it showed that they had no power, no control, even to be modest in the least. And then after the beatings, they would take them for, from the place of the beating to the place of the crucifixion, not the shortest play, way. They would make a parade out of this, again, for shame, for humiliation. They would take them through the busiest streets, the longest way possible, all the while there's someone involved yelling their crimes to the people, or sometimes, and or, they'd carry some placard around their neck of what they were being accused of for the sake of shame, for the sake of humiliation. All that to lead to this, this death upon a cross. Seneca was a writer during those years, and he just said no self-respecting man would allow himself to be crucified. He'd take his own life first. Crucifixion was called the slave's death because that's, that's who they'd want to use it for. Oh, and not just slaves, but they would use that for people that would cause a conspiracy to rebel against Rome, and they would make a statement with crucifixion. That's why people were crucified, to make a statement. Think, think Spartacus. So this, this idea that, that the way Rome was able to like, keep control of, of the people that they had conquered, that were still their enemies, would, would to always have this threat of crucifixion. This excruciatingly painful, long death process that leaves you in humiliation until your last breath. And Paul says, Christ and him crucified. Christ and him crucified. The road to honor, remember, power and wisdom. Christ crucified, that's not on that map. You can't find that on that map. The road to glory, that's a different map. Going down is a way. Being meek, I what? I don't even know what that means. And, and look, look what he says. Look how he, takes, look how he takes this road to 
honor head on. Look how he attacks those two things, power and wisdom, right up front. Punches them right in the nose. 22 uh, of chapter 1 says, Jews demand signs, that's power. Jews demand signs and the Greeks seek wisdom. But, but we preach Christ crucified. It's a stumbling block to the Jews. It is folly to the Gentiles. But those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. See, see how he's just coming straight at them? The things, they, they, the things that they exalt, he condemns. He says, the Jews, they, they, they need power. What does that mean? Well, you can see it in the Gospels. They're always saying, you know, Jesus, show us a sign. Show us you're the one. You say you're the Messiah. And what they're thinking is, look, we, we can't follow you unless we can be assured that you can set us free from this Roman enslavement. That's what their definition of Messiah was. They thought he'd be a coming king like King David, if you know what that means in the Old Testament. And, and so they were like, you show us what you can do. Show us all this power you're supposed to have. Let me see you do stuff. And so personally, the bent side of me, not the way I was designed, but the way I was made, oh, I love the idea of more power, more strength, more dominance, more control. I know that. And Paul's saying, that's not Jesus' road. That's the road to honor. That's not the Jesus' road. The Jesus' road has Jesus with power, choosing not to use it, and Rome crucifies him. The Greeks say, what about wisdom? Where's our wisdom in this Jesus? Because wisdom is defined by the person who knows the shortest distance between point A and point B. That is, how do I get on top fastest? And I get that. I find somebody that knows the distance to the top without, with limited hassle. I want to know that secret, right? And Paul says, that's not wisdom. That's not on the road. That's not the Jesus road. That might be your road to honor, but the road to glory, the wisdom of the road to glory is this. The servant is sometimes greater than the master. The first are last. Many of the last are first. It is better to give than to receive. If you seek to save your life, you'll lose your life. If you lose your life for Christ's sake, you'll gain it. That's not Corinthian wisdom. That's not soul-bent wisdom. That seems like foolishness, and that's what Paul's saying. He's saying, Christ crucified. He keeps saying it together because they're contradictions. You see, he's trying, to, he's, he's trying to show you, look, this over here, this is all about me. It is all about self-preservation. This road to glory leads to self-forgetfulness. And he, the fact that he's so repetitive in, in Christ crucified is showing that it, I know that it's easy for us because we're missing, like Christ is, is not Jesus' last name, Okay. So it's not like Jesus Christ, like Matt Cassidy. Jesus is his name, and Christ is a title. It means the anointed one, the promised one, the one that's going to come. He was chosen by God. Okay, I get that. That's high and exalted up here. But crucified, what? The chosen one's not supposed to be down here because crucified means defeated in humiliation. And so you... Like, you can't have both. You can have Christ and you can have a crucified, but he keeps saying Christ crucified. 
and because it doesn't fit in their paradigm. Paul's rubbing their nose in their value system, do you see? He's saying you guys are going the wrong way. And you're not even, you can't understand the gospel because, you, because you're, you're trying to filter it through a worldview, a value system, a way of keeping score that is completely different than, than who you were meant to be and the God who made you and Jesus who saved you. We preach Christ crucified, the Messiah that was killed. He died in a suffering, failed, crushed, shameful way. He had power to stop it, and he didn't. He had the wisdom to argue his way out of these accusations, and he chose to remain silent. From their point of view, they don't understand. Their merit system is based on values, and this road to to glory, it continues to descend and, and, and it finds itself at the most public expression of soulish shame and humiliation that the ingenuity of a demented mankind could come up with. That's on that road, that road of crucifixion. And so here's why he's doing this. Paul is just constantly pushing it out there because he's forcing us to choose definitions of words, and I think that's the reality we live in, is words and their definitions, and he's saying, look, we have to choose. Either Jesus was not great, or we have to redefine what the word great means. Do you see? We, we can, we, he, Jesus didn't do the road to honor thing, and he, he, was, he lost, or We have to redefine the meaning of life, the purpose of life, the the redefinition of, like, who I am, like, who you're supposed to be. Jesus is, uh, if you know the figure of speech from Chesterton, it's like when he says, you have to choose with Jesus whether he was a Lord, the Lord, a liar or a lunatic. He doesn't let you get all three. You have to choose one of those. And, and Paul is doing that here. He's saying, look, you can choose. He can be the Messiah. He can be crucified. Crucified Messiah, the only way that works is if you redefine how you keep score. Yeah, the way you, the, the purpose of life. What it means, Jesus says, uh, I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. Jesus said, the abundant life is on this road, not on that path to honor. It's uh, Romans 12, you must uh, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The re- this is what he's talking about, the renewing of your value system. Wisdom, wisdom means descending. It means stooping. It means, it means washing the feet of your enemy. It means the crucified carpenter. That's what wisdom is. And power, power is the expression of suffering love over evil. That's wisdom. That's power. You define it that way, then it makes sense. Paul's saying this. Paul is an apostle, but he's a prophet. Paul's saying this. You and your pathway to honor. I can see into the future from here, and I'll tell you about Corinth and Rome. In just a few short years, 
the whole place is going to come crumbling down. All it's going to take is a frozen river on the north, and you'll be invaded by barbarians, and it's gone. In just a couple of years from now, people will name their dogs Caesar. And we'll be talking about this, cry, this cross for 2,000 years. It will become the emblem, the icon, the logo of what it means to succeed. It will be on, on tombstones all over the world. It will be the hope of the future of many men and women. It will represent forever power and wisdom. And you guys are running the wrong way. That's what Paul's saying. It's a paradigm shift. It's a whole different way of looking at life. It is the road less traveled, and Jesus walked it first. We are to walk behind him. We are to understand that honor, our glory, comes with humility, and quite often humiliation. Glory is the way of the cross. And the way of the cross, here Paul's doing it again, the way of the cross is better, deeper, more profound and transcend. Look how he picks on our attributes again. Look what he says in the next verse that we're reading from. This is the very next sentence. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. You're not settling for this road to glory. It's better, greater. Could, just think about this, okay? Just think just for a second about the depth of the sovereignty of God. God the Father sovereignly chose crucifixion as the method of destruction of his only begotten son. He did. Hemlock was available. Jesus was a philosophy teacher. They get rid of those guys quietly and off to the side. Guy, grab your guys, bring their notebooks, take the hemlock, write about it. Good for you. That wouldn't be the way Jesus would go. He needed to go this way. And you know why? Because it was through this humiliation, it was through this method that the Christ could be crucified, that it expressed the nature of God in a way that we could not imagine without. We can't dream this up that God would be good, that he would be humble. Here's a, here's a history scholar saying the same thing. The world's religions have certain traits in common, but, but until the gospel of Jesus Christ burst into the Mediterranean world, no one in history of human imagination had conceived of such a thing as to worship a crucified man. Because crucifixion is for losers, for the powerless, for the stupid. And Jesus shows up and says, this is for the powerful it is for the ultimate wise. It is an expression of a deep wisdom and a superpower that it's about the immeasurable love that's expressed in God allowing his son to do this. The cross was chosen on purpose in the sovereignty of God to show us what God is like, to show us what we were meant to be like. This is how we're designed. This is how we were meant to be. This road to glory, this side, this is our road to victory. This is our way to be. We are people of the cross. We're not people of the path to honor. 
We're people of the cross. And this pathway to the cross, to become people of the cross, it is noble. It is glorious. It is painful. It is filled with suffering. It is it's scary. It is an adventure. I came that you might have life, and life would be an adventure. It's down this road. You're going the wrong way. <laughs> That's what this book's about. That's the abundant life. It's not more status and more stuff and more power. It's at the cross, right? It's at the cross we find ourselves surrendered. How many times have you seen pictures or have you come to a cross and put your face down, face down, maybe literally in the dirt, because that's where you give your life to him. It's at, the, it's at the foot of this cross, the people of the cross. You give him your life. You give him your ego. You give him your possessions. You give him your time. You give him you. And then you stand up free. That's the way of the cross. And we are the people of the cross. The old way is wrong. It's bent. It's demented. It's natural to us, but only in our unnatural state of being drunk on pride. And Jesus didn't say the way of the cross was just for him. He said it was for all of the people that were followers of him. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross daily and follow me. I'll start this path. You follow this path. He wasn't hiding that from us. The way of glory, the way of honor, or the way of, of, of becoming who becoming like Christ in all of life, deny yourself, pick up your cross daily, and follow me. How do you do that? I think we have, to, we, have to, we have to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, and this is the thing we need to renew. And we have, personally, I have to keep this in front of me, or it just, I just go back to the default programming that showed up later, not the original programming. And you do whatever you can to remind yourself the way of glory versus the way of the cross. That you, the wrong way is intuitive. The right way, it comes from remembering Christ crucified. I, I do this. I've done this like four, I think four times in my life. I carry a cross in my pocket. I got one when I was in Israel. And this is from an olive tree. And I'll, it will stay in my pocket until I lose it like I did the other three. So... <laughs> not good at this. I'm just saying this will work for a while. <laughs> and, it, and it just helps me. Just to, Some of you have tokens, right? Six months, six years to remind you, right? Here's a, the power of God's spirit in your life. That's what needs to rule your life. So as a person of the cross, you go to your office, you go to your school, you go to that place where you volunteer and you say, I am not going to take the, the road to honor, I'm going to take this other one. I'm not going, go there this week. Don't promote yourself. Don't, you know, start building a statue in your name. Work hard, work diligently, work cheerfully as a person of the cross. Go there looking for ways that, and pray that God's spirit would cause you to be creative, that he would cause you to be diligent, that he would cause you to endure suffering. Yeah, be the person on the cross. Person of the cross, you go into a meeting this week and, and just go in there and think, Lord, I want 
someone else to come up with an incredible idea or to be the star of this, of this meeting, not me. If I say something remotely good or effective, maybe it'd be forgotten who it came from. May it be an idea that we came up with. You could pray. You want Okay, look, I don't know. You got some masochism in you? Pray that the person you least like wins that meeting. And you slap him or her on the back and say, great job. When you're taking a test, I think school starts, right? Soon. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> but what if you were to take a test as a person of the cross? Then you could see that your identity and whether you're a success or failure is not determined by this test. And so you are free to do your absolute best, to be diligent in your studying, to take the test without a sense of like all of life is hanging on this. And you could present that test under the cross to the king and savior of your life and say, this, this is what I'm giving back. Not because I'm not, I'm not climbing. I'm, this is not a way of ascending to some kind of road of honor. This is an expression of your gifts given to me, giving back to you. There's no, I'm not going to compare myself to other people. I'm only going to give you what, what you've given to me. And it means, a person of the cross means you show up to places and you get to be the servant of your mate, of your roommate or sweet mate, of, of your child, of your sibling. Try to surf your little brother, your younger brother, your younger sister. See what happens. <laughs> you're you're going you're gonna to freak out your parents. That'll be fun all by itself. See what happens when you take this other path, this path to glory. Here's what I, here's, here's why I'm throwing this out there. You just give this a run. This original design, the way God is, the way Jesus is, the way we were designed to be, you'll know you're on the right road, going the right direction, feeling a sense of power that is inexplicable and unable to be understood by those on the road to honor. You're going to find a wisdom that transcends that is mystical, that is from heaven, that the last are first, the meek are strong, the godly, like God, stoop to serve. Let's try that this week, okay? Will you join me in prayer? Lord uh, Jesus, wow, that, uh, that the cross was chosen for you. This miserable expression of the creativity of evil men so that in our attempt to humiliate you, we exalt you in the fullness of who you are and what you're like. We worship you for who you are and what you're like and, and what you do. And now we see all of what it was meant to. Lord, I would ask that you would help us take every thought captive. This idea of up and to the right is so part of our nature and then so part of our culture that it's difficult for us to think outside of that. Would you destroy that in our thoughts? Would you punch that in the nose like Paul does? Would you cause us to stop and ask, is that the right way? Help us keep from running in that direction. 
Lord, I'd ask that we could turn around, face down, become like Christ, the way we were meant to be. And in that, we would show glory to you and show angels and demons all around that at least in this soul, things are done on earth as they are in heaven. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.